Hello, my name is James Campbell. I'm the investigations editor with The Herald Sun. We've got a new podcast called The Herald Sun Coronavirus Update to help you get through these challenging times. Every morning from Monday to Friday, I'll be talking to experts from around the globe and here in Australia on the latest from the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll take a look at the analysis, views, and get you educated and informed for your day ahead. Search for Herald Sun Coronavirus Update wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow, subscribe, and let us know what you think in the review section. Casual sex with strangers and social distance rules just don't mix. It's a blunt summary of the sex acts that $250 buys. An hour later, our hero was back on the street. An hour after that, another man had taken his place. And so on, all day, and the next, and the one after that, in the shady world of pop-up brothels. I'm Andrew Rule. This is Life and Crimes. This week, we are going to address one aspect of the coronavirus outbreak. And therefore, we are not going to continue yet with the third and final part of former policeman Andrew Atkinson's most excellent memoirs. Andrew was kind enough to share some of his stories with us, and we have broadcast some of those, but the third and final part will go to air later. Today, listeners, I'd like to take you to the shadowy world of pop-up brothels and to point out the connection between that and the risk of spreading coronavirus. A few days ago, a man identifying himself by his first name only buzzed the intercom of a tall, shiny apartment building in Spencer Street, Melbourne, right opposite Southern Cross Station. And he spoke briefly to the young woman who answered the buzzer and then the door clicked open and this man took the lift to an apartment high above the already deserted city streets. This is so recent that Melbourne was virtually deserted, which tells us it's happening now in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. When this man got to a particular floor, he got off the lift and he went to the room, uh, the number of which he had been given, and he knocked on the door and inside was the person that he'd done a deal with. He produced an amount of cash, I think $250 for an hour. The contract between these two people was in the form of a text message on his mobile phone and that text message I have actually seen. He showed it to me, and it's a blunt summary of the sex acts that $250 buys. And that was sent to him after he responded to one of a smorgasbord of advertisements on online personal sites run on such online classified sites as Lecanto and others. An hour later, our hero was back on the street. An hour after that, another man had taken his place and so on all day and the next and the one after that in the shady world of pop-up brothels. And all this is happening in Melbourne and also in Sydney and also in Brisbane and also in the other cities and big provincial regional cities all over Australia. 
This is all happening despite the fact that the coronavirus pandemic is sweeping our country and the world. The same thing happened the previous week and will most likely happen today and again tomorrow, if not at this particular apartment building in Spencer Street, then at other short-stay city apartments where the owners, possibly unknowingly, profit from an unregulated sex racket that is playing Russian roulette with coronavirus and with lives. I have to say here that casual sex with strangers and social distance rules just don't mix. But the Airbnb version of the oldest profession has hardly missed a beat, judging from the personal advertisements that hook clients for nomadic escorts whose main concession to the current health crisis is that now they can't hop from city to city by plane to do the business. What the closing of the borders means and what the closing down of the airlines means is that most of these people will have to prop and set up shop in whichever city it is where they officially live and officially work and are officially enrolled as students. Now, I believe that this is the tip of an extraordinarily big racket, a racket that the authorities must know about and yet more or less totally ignore. Now, in the case cited here, the escort is a person from Southeast Asia, from a country that I could name but I won't to protect the source. This person is based in Sydney with a student visa which enables her and sometimes him because both genders are represented in this racket. In this case, it enables her to learn English two days a week doing a part-time diploma course that I believe is effectively used as cover for full-time prostitution. The man telling his part in this story is doing so because he believes that the sort of semi-legal or illegal sex industry is a total blind spot ignored by the authorities in their battle to slow down their coronavirus infection rate. I'm going to give this fellow a name. Let's call him Tommy Doggett. That is not his real name. And Tommy, for the purposes of this podcast, is an executive. And before the coronavirus hit and altered his work patterns, he often travelled interstate for work. Now, this man is a single consenting adult with single adult tastes, which is why he has become familiar with the semi-illegal world of the escort business over a couple of years. Until this month, Tommy took the view that this secretive but hardly secret sex for sale business didn't bother most people and hurt no one. He could even rationalise it. He said to me that his money was helping the families of those people he paid for their services. He actually believed this until he took a trip to Southeast Asia and saw where the money was going and what it was buying. And what it was buying in particular countries in Southeast Asia were very expensive items like motor cars, 
houses, luxury goods of all sorts. And he then realised that it wasn't really a matter of supporting starving families. He has got to know some particular escorts from Southeast Asia who have given him an insight into a world of manipulative immigration agents, of cynical police and apathetic authorities. And by authorities, we're talking about, I think, the Home Office and the Australian Tax Office, the ATO. Tommy Doggett has told me that the people he knows have revealed their motives for coming to Australia. They are, in fact, professional sex workers and only occasional students. This charade of being students is being acted out by thousands of visitors who work in the gig economy. Not all these thousands are sex workers. Some of them are working illegally or semi-legally in other businesses, such as fast food, uh, working on farms, picking fruit, cutting herbs, and doing other agricultural work. But many of those people are illegals because they're abusing the terms of their student visas and also tourist visas. When the coronavirus got to Australia last month, Tommy Doggett changed his mind about the escort racket because then he could see that it potentially threatens the lives of his family and his friends and others. It seems to him that government agencies and police more or less ignore this secretive and largely ungoverned sex industry that is suddenly, in his view, jeopardising public health. I think he makes a good point. Both sides of the escort business, clients and workers, by definition attract people who bend or break the rules of conventional behaviour, if not the law. So it seems to me that it's disturbing but hardly surprising that all these online personal advertisements, which are very easy to find online, show that escorts are still working their usual beats, still renting city apartments in Melbourne and in Sydney and in Brisbane and elsewhere to service clients who browse their online ads. As Tommy Doggett said to me just yesterday, it's business as usual. It's business as usual during a week when mainstream Australia faces the latest round of tough restrictions aimed at beating a pandemic that could kill hundreds or thousands of people. These escorts, these fake students, are the cash cows in a business that gets away with breaching the regulations about limiting social contact. Most of the advertising and the booking of short-stay accommodation, and until recently the booking of airline flights, is handled by organisers who skim cash from each of these sex workers. Now, these organisers are what we used to call madams or pimps, and it is a massive business for them because out of every $250 hourly rate, they will be taking a very hefty amount, probably $50 or more, in return for which they set up apartments and so on. Even before the coronavirus caught his attention, Tommy Doggett realised that normal rules don't apply to the escorts who advertise online to recruit their clients, who get paid in cash 
and, until recently, rotate between the cities. For a start, in his experience, most of the sex workers in the escort racket are long-term stayers, long-term visitors, mostly from one particular country in Southeast Asia. They abuse the terms of their student visas. They enrol in Mickey Mouse courses that appear to provide cover for far less innocent activities. These fake students sell sex for cash, routinely banking up to $1,000 a day or more to avoid being robbed by violent clients. And yet, they do not attract the attention of the tax office or other authorities, even though they're obviously earning a hell of a lot more than they should under the terms of using student visas. This is what he told me. I know of some people who fly back three or four times a year, he says. It seems clear to him that these people are among the many who work illegally, don't pay tax and send large sums of money out of Australia. Now, breaking laws to run virtual brothels high in the sky in apartment blocks and dodging tax is one thing, but ignoring the danger of coronavirus is entirely another. The first bit is about residential amenity and taxation, but the second is about life and death. In this sense, this is similar to and probably linked to the dodgy Thai massage shop fronts that infest shopping strips in Australia. These are both aspects of the oldest profession which seem to operate under the radar of law enforcement. It seems that these massage parlours, these dodgy Thai massage parlours that we've all seen with their little signs blinking open, 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 you know, late at night in all sorts of odd places, that these parlours and these pop-up brothels, for want of a better word, are hidden in plain sight. And so are the police who are supposed to prosecute without fear or favour. They seem to be fairly well hidden too. So well hidden, they're not actually policing anything to do with this potentially very serious problem for the health authorities. Perhaps this will change if uh, Premier Daniel Andrews, who's emerging as the nation's strongman, draws a bead on those who breach the coronavirus regulations. But if governments and police were fair dinkum, there are a few things that they could do. Now, every cloud has a silver lining. And one thing that the stay home rule should ensure during the pandemic is that burglaries, car crashes and driving offences should all go down, which means that there will be plenty of underemployed police to help out the 500 officers already earmarked in Victoria for enforcing the coronavirus laws and restrictions. Then, of course, we've got Border Force. These are the Keystone cops who pulled off a magnificent debacle by letting 2,700 passengers off a cruise ship in the middle of Sydney, many of them carrying the coronavirus, one of whom has since died. Um, More than 100 have been tested positive. It would be funny if it wasn't tragic. The arithmetic of contagious diseases tells us that this mistake 
by dithering public servants has caused scores of people to be infected and will kill several of them. That's quite apart from the thousands of air travellers allowed into Australia in the last month without even their temperatures being checked. The bottom line is this would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. It's one thing not to police these pseudo-brothels and these massage parlours and these casual sex workers during normal times, but it's quite another to ignore them in the face of a pandemic because now what was once benign or merely seedy is now potentially deadly. Thanks for listening. That's most likely the last time we'll talk about the coronavirus for a while. Next time, we'll go back to regular life and crimes. Hope to see you then. This week and every week, Life and Crimes is brought to you by subscribers of The Herald Sun. If you like the podcast and want to support it, go to heraldsun.com.au forward slash Andrew Rule and click on any article to begin. Hi, this is Jen Kelly, the host of In Black and White, a podcast about some of Australia's forgotten characters. Australia's history is littered with 'er ne'er-do-wells, scallywags and flat-out bad guys. So if you're interested in hearing about some of the darker characters from our past, download the show now. That's In Black and White, available wherever you get your podcasts. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.